You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 203 of the Black Eagles Podcast. I'm your host, Sinan Schwarting, live from a wintry, cold New York City. Winter is coming, folks. Winter is here, folks. Um, I mean that, of course, as I typically do. Both literally and figuratively. Um, what can I say about things right now? Um, there's a lot of news, of course, to talk about today. Um, but first, let's talk about Giresun. Giresun Sport. Um, so, yeah, we were hosting Giresun uh, not long ago, it seemed. Just just a couple days ago, Saturday, November 27th, um, Giresun coming into this match had only 13 points just above the relegation zone, but I always like to add a bit of this sort of context. They'd gotten 11 of those 13 points just in the last six matches. So they were on their best run of form of the season, coming into their match against us. Um, which meant, of course, we were coming off of our worst run of form. Uh, although, I, I think a lot of us felt like perhaps the performance, if not the result, against Ajax might have signaled a, a, a shift, a turn. Maybe a change in guard, so to speak. Um, so yeah, you know, things were looking grim. But Giresun is a side that's just been promoted. Uh, we were just starting to maybe, you know, look like we were going to take some different new approaches into things. And sure enough, we did, at least on paper. Um, it was reported that we played a 4-4-2, and I think you probably have to say that it's true that we did for the most part, although it didn't really look like that for most of the time that, it was, uh, that we played, because, well, we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, f- so, for lineups... Interesting stuff here. Mert Gunok in the goal. Nejip Uysal and Domagos Vida up ahead of him. Valentin Rosier on the right side of the defense. Umut Merash opposite him. Joseph de Souza and Miralem Pjanic in the middle of the midfield with George Kavan Kudu and Rashid Ghazal slightly set back into that sort of four-man midfield, if you, if you will. With Kyle Laren and Mishi Bachuai set up ahead of them. A bit of an old school take, if you will, this 4-4-2. But with Nkudu in, uh, with Alex Teixeira kind of out of form. Uh, with the need to play Kyle Laren, I suppose, given his ability to score. Even if 
he had a bit of a disappointing performance against Ajax on the technical end. Uh, you know, again, like I think you you like tinkering. You want to see some evolution. You want to see some ability to to, to to not be stubborn and to change your approach when things aren't working. So I guess all of that can be credited to Sergan for this one. <clears throat> um, as for Gideson, their goalkeeper, Okan Kojuk, 26-year-old Turk, started. Mamadou Diara, 23-year-old Senegalese central defender, played alongside 27-year-old Colombian Alexis Perez. Zeki Yavru, 30-year-old Turk, many will recognize who filed the Turkish League opposite on the left side of their defense, Aziz Behic, 30-year-old Australian Turk, who also I think many Super League followers will recognize. In their midfield, uh, Flavio, 25-year-old Brazilian, alongside Hamidou Traore, 25-year-old Malian. Up ahead of them, Fuseni Diabate, 26-year-old Malian, so that's a theme for them. Um, Magomed Shapi Suleimanov, 21-year-old Russian on the right wing, opposite Serginho, 26-year-old Brazilian, with Ibrahima Balde on, up top for them, Senegalese, 32-year-old striker. So, um, you know, not the same squad they put out last week for whatever reasons, but, uh, you know, I think probably their strongest. Maybe maybe they've, they've had injuries to deal with or whatever it is. Um, as for Besiktas, you know, some interesting decisions. Uh, no Wellington for a change. Uh, he puts uh, Nejip in there, I think, obviously for the sort of three Turk rule that's abound. Um, Mert Gunak also getting his second start in a row, which we had not seen until this match. A bit of a surprise there, perhaps. <clears throat> um, but yeah, let's, I guess, just dig right in to match proceeding. Um, eight minute Rashid Ghazal, nice shot from distance, saved well by Okan Kochuk, who's off balance, but uh, going the wrong way, but sort of gets a hand on it, punches it away. 17th minute. A handball for Valentin Ozier. Um, similar to what we saw called against Domagos Vida and also called against Ajax midweek, this one was a little different, uh, I would say, in that Rosier is, I think, kind of clearly trying to get his arm behind him. So while his arm might be in an, in an unnatural position, he's clearly trying to get it into a natural position, and the ball is moving too fast for him to be able to do so. So it's very clearly... Um, not even unintentional like he's clearly trying not to do that and it's just bad luck um, so I don't know about this call I think it's debatable but I just don't understand handball rules anymore I mean they're like so many rules these days uh, it's evolved beyond my comprehension it just seems to be kind of like in the eye of the beholder now um, and this ref I'm not gonna really harp on it but he was terrible uh, but yeah he decides to call the penalty, Diabate steps up, um, sends keeper the wrong way, scores a goal, and then does the like ice tray young like shiver celebration, which as a Knicks fan, that really absolutely had me furious. Uh, and Bestas just seemed to be poised to kind of like take control of this match just before then, you know, with the gazelle shot, and that just brought me into a rage my god that infuriated me beyond no end the trey young celebration 
Anyone who doesn't know the NBA should know that the Knicks uh, and the Hawks have this new rivalry, and he did that against us in the playoffs last year, this little shiver celebration thing that Diabate does against us. So it just got me so heated. Um, and uh, like 10 minutes of play, resume, Besiktas starting to sort of get back into it. They seem to have been psyched out by this weird decision by the ref. And then Nejip with the just horror tackle, uh, given a yellow. I don't even know how it's initiated, but they go look at it on VAR, overturn it, give him a red. Nejip is gone. I mean, not exactly a shock per se, right? Like, you could even say you expect it, but. Oh boy, this is bad. Um, officially, it's the 36th minute. He's booted from the game. 41st minute they start to realize they're going to have this man advantage. And not only that, but, like, we've we've held on to results a man, a man down. We've even gotten results a man down. But, like, this going a man down, plus the penalty that's sort of not so just, plus this general poor run of form and the general sort of negative psyche around the team. At this point, like, I think most of us know this is not going to go well. And sure enough, 41st minute, their Russian winger, Suleymanov, kind of has a shot from distance. Merit does well, diving save, but like it, it, it's sort of a sign of things to come, and we all we all know. Uh, we go, that's it. At the, at the half, we go in down only a goal, but uh, in in a bad way. Wellington enters the match at halftime for Rashid Gezal. I mean, fair enough, right? We lost a central defender. Um, you know, I suppose Kyle Aaron goes to the left wing and uh, Nkudu to the right wing, which is weird. Uh, but that's, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And th that's, you know, you're down a man. Um, but anyhow, uh, 54th minute uh, into the 55th minute, I suppose. Alexis Perez with a really good ball from the back. Um, drops. I mean, is it that good? I don't know. I mean, Merit Gunnar clearly is, is stymied by it, confused. He rushes out to, to try to clear it, but it's not in the penalty box. It's like about a yard outside of the penalty box, and he keeps going for some reason. He just keeps running, and then it's over his head, so he can't head it. He can't use his hands, obviously. And so the ball just bounces over him awkwardly. He kind of flails at it. It drops to Ibrahim Balde, who puts it away. Uh, and there it is, nil to two in Vodafone Park. And uh, just, like, the way it's scored just adds to this whole situation. Like, insult to injury somehow. If, if the goal being scored is the injury, the fact that it was so pathetic looking and we just look like amateur clowns vis-a-vis -vis Merit Grunach there. And I had never even seen him make a mistake like that. I'll be 100% honest. I mean, this is a keeper that was playing for our national team like a few months ago. So, um, you can question Sergan's decision to play him, I suppose. But, like, there's really no way you could and could have anticipated him being that poor. Um, and, well, well, we'll we'll talk about it. You don't want to bag on the poor guy because of what happens later. But... Um, 62nd minute, uh, yellow card for Joseph. Um, right after, by the way, Joseph had a really nice ball to up to, to Batshuayi, drop perfectly to Batshuayi, but he has a sort of poor first touch. 
Recovers pretty well to get a good shot on goal, but it's saved with um, Okan's feet by their keeper. So we're still making an effort, it seems, but not enough. Uh, 63rd minute, right after the yellow card, Ibrahim Balde um, sends in a shot. Merit with a one-handed save, which isn't bad, but just very pathetically right to their winger, Serginho, who's just all alone opposite the keeper. Um, credit to Valentinozzi, he comes across to defend the shot from Balde, and he does a pretty decent job of it, putting it at an angle that, that Merit can save. But then nobody backs him up, and he's all alone back there for some reason. So where are your central defenders in that scenario? Like three yards back watching, it seems. Um, but so, 0-3. to three. Easy goal for Serginho. Easy tap-in. Um, subs, Joey Pelupesi comes in for Ibrahim Balde for them. Um, John Bozdoan comes in for Georges Kevin and Kudu. Alex Teixeira comes on for Michi Batshuayi. Joseph with a nice cross later uh, finds Kyle Laren's head and forces a great save. You know, it's, it's one of those headers from distance that kind of almost drops in right under the post. But again, Okan does quite well to get up and save it. He had a pretty good game. Uh, you know, three big saves I've mentioned so far. So, you know, I guess there's credit to him here. I mean, at that point, those three big saves, that's three to three, theoretically, if those go in. Or tied up. I mean, I don't know. Merritt made a couple decent saves as well, to be fair. But this is where things would come crashing to an end. I mean, first first of all, Emre Tashdemir comes in for Magomed Shapi Suleimanov. Erol Akdai comes in for Hamidou Traore. Mehmet Umut Nair comes in for Serginho. Joseph Champness comes in for Aziz Behic. Javi Montero comes in for Umut Merash. Um, and he makes a nice, nice tackle, like right out of the gates, actually. Um, but yeah, him coming in for left back is a little weird. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, 90th minute. Uh, there's sort of a counter that doesn't look particularly dangerous, but just suddenly Merit Gunok falls down. Just falls, like his knee buckles underneath him. Flavio keeps going, passes to wide open Joseph Champness, who just entered the match. Champness easily taps into the back of the goal. Is that unsporting? I don't know. You know, a lot of folks in my group chat were saying, oh, well, they're going to let us score now to make up for that because clearly that wasn't a goal that should have been scored. The keeper was down well before the attack was sort of initiated for the goal. I don't know the sort of etiquette on that front, um, but they did not let us score afterwards, and that infuriated a few folks in the group chat. Uh, if they were supposed to, that's indeed pretty dirty of them um, to come to our stadium and like not play properly but somebody else can make that judgment call because again I'm not so familiar with the etiquette in that regard but anyway substitute Ersten Destanova comes in for Mert Grunok um, due to the injury it turns out it's an ACL tear he's done for the year um, so bad luck for Mert you know he was almost crying after their second goal too so like you could tell he was not exactly there fully um either because of the you know mistakes he was making uh, and he felt bad about them or if, if it 
sort of predates that even if it was sort of psychological issues whatever it was um, you know just a couple of bad mistakes obviously but then this just terrible injury to compound it all literally uh, insult to injury or injury to insult in this case as we've seen before um, and yeah that's it we lose nail to four uh, a must win game against a newly promoted Gideson side um, obviously everything is complicated by the red cards and the penalties that have gone against us and everything you know you can't really blame the coach for you know three of the things that went, went terribly against us um, some questionable lineup decisions obviously some questionable subs as per usual but uh, just so many weird things going against us at this point Murphy's Law is guiding this team far more than Sergei Yeltsin I think so um, I feel terrible honestly for everyone involved players manager board because like you know the board put together probably Besiktas's best side on paper that we, most of us have lived to see so for things to be going so poorly is <clears throat> just, um, you know, we're cursed. I don't even know what to say. We seem to be 100% absolutely cursed. Um, but with that said, I mean, all right, quickly let's talk about some stats just so I can do my job here. 69% of the ball went to Besiktas, 31 to them. 13 shots to 12 in our favor. 12 chances created 12. Um, they had five big chances. We had two, however. No goals. We completed 527 accurate passes. They completed 180. We completed them at an 84% rate. They completed them at a 65% rate. They were not good. They were not good. They conceded 10 fouls. We conceded 9. We had 8 corners to their 3. Offsides twice to their 0. They were not that, you know, uh, aggressive in the attack. But they had 7 shots on target. Three off target. We only had four shots on target and three off target. Despite having more shots in total, and I guess that's, you know, defenders getting involved. The woodwork we hit once. But is that an excuse? No, right? Like, somehow, despite having so much of the ball, despite them not playing well, not being good on the ball, not passing the ball well, they still managed to have more shots on target than us. They still managed to be more dangerous just almost solely on the counter than we were on the attack with the ball in their half of the field for most of the match that's 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 wild that's ludicrous and that does start to come down to Sergei Yeltsin right tons of bad luck no doubt you can't deny that nobody could deny that but like how do you explain our impotence in attack Sure, you know, we haven't had our first options for a while. Sure, there are always pieces missing. Sure, we have this weird rash of injuries. But, like, we're Besiktas. This is Gidesonspor. Like, our, our C team should be playing at a higher level than their A team. They're certainly worth more. So, you know, this is complicated. And it's more complicated and more nuanced than either side of this, like, Sergei Istifa debate really wants to, to sort of give this thing credit for. It is somehow Sergei's fault, but it's also not entirely Sergei's fault. There's just crazy things. 14 injuries and one... Like, how, how can you have 14 injuries at one time? Like, what is going on? Our training staff, the fitness crew, they need to be fired, replaced, or certainly at least, you know, thoroughly audited... 
statistically, individually, the best players, from best to, you know, above average, again. Serginho, Flavio, Alexis Perez, Zeki Yavru, Fuseni Diabate, top five, all Gerson. Hamadou Traore, Ibrahima Balde, Okan Kuchuk, Mamadou Diara, Aziz Behic. Top 10, all Gerson. Then, Wellington, Suleimanov, Umut Merash. And that's it. Anyone, that's it for above the 7 rating. Above 6.5, we'll go, you can keep going a little further. You have Bachuai, Nkuru, Kalaren somehow. Rashid Gezal, who was taken out. And then Emre Tastemir. So, that's it. John Bozdoan, Alex Teixeira, Miralem Pjanic, Josef de Souza, Nejip, Domagojvida, Valentin Rosier, everyone else. Merit Gunak, of course. Everyone else was beneath the average rate of, of what you'd expect. Um, you know, somehow Wellington is credited with having a good game. I'm not even going to dig into his stats. I don't care. He wasn't good. He played a role in their, in their fourth and third goal. He didn't get back. He made Valentin Lozier run out of position to cover for him and then didn't even get back off the rebound. Nor did Vida, for that matter. <sighs> Umut Merash. Let's look at him statistically, I guess. Why is he rated as a 7.1? Um, he played 87 minutes. Okay. 54 accurate passes at an 86% rate. No shots. He won 9 out of 17 duels. Just above 50%. 1 out of 1 on dribbles, I suppose. 88 touches, which is, okay, very present, very active. He probably got all over the pitch. I mean, I guess, you know, statistically, he's your man of the match. I don't care. I'm not, I'm not giving anyone a man of the match. I'm not doing anyone a salad here today. We were terrible. We deserve this loss, even with, with all the terrible misfortune we, we encountered. Let's talk a little bit, folks, about Sergei Yelchin. Um... Right now, there are two very distinct camps developing. There's one camp that wants him gone. There's another camp that's very patient with him, and he's a club legend, and he's got to stay no matter what, and they're begging him to stay. Um, Sergei Yeltsin approached Ahmed Nurchevich today, this morning for me on my time, real early morning, um, and he's, he wanted to resign. Ahmed Nurchevich rejected it, and they're keeping him around. Some people are furious. Some people are thrilled. Um, here's my hot take. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what they do this season. As long, like, if if you're a manager and you join Besiktas right now, you're a fool. Um, because any hope you have of having a solid job that like sticks long term, you would be destroying by joining this team now while we still have whatever's wrong occurring right whatever fractures there are in the locker room whatever kind of is contributing to the low morale throughout the camp that's not going to go away with a new man with a new manager coming in in fact quite the opposite i don't think that anyone has a serious hate for sergey Yalchin among our players they are all off a fresh championship still you know i think they'd feel terrible knowing that they were responsible for him losing his job you could argue maybe that'll spur them on to better performances maybe Probably not, though. And, I, and I'm guessing that our problems go far deeper than just tactical selections. Because um, to be fair, like with all the injuries we've had, we haven't, had any, we haven't even had that many choices. 
we've had to scramble. We've had we've been playing guys out of position regularly. Um, we've been relying on Guven Yalchin, you know, a guy who most of us had long since given up on. I don't know. I don't I don't know what's going wrong, and I think it's deeper than what we, any of us could know. There's got to be locker room issues. Like the, the the problems that plague this team need to be resolved. People need to go. You know, whoever doesn't want to be on this team needs to leave. If you're on loan and you don't really have a plan to stick here past this season, might as well leave. We don't need to be paying your overinflated salary for you to be playing kind of okay with little flashes of brilliance. But like at the end of the day, it's obviously not helping the locker room. Last year, one of the key components of our success was morale, kind of camaraderie, team spirit. It's, there's none of that. It needs to be addressed. Kicking Fabrice and Zakla out of the team, a, f a favorite among players, stupid decision. Absolutely unprofessional. I don't care if he liked uh, a tweet from someone. Like, who the heck? First of all, that happens way more than, than just that one sitting, that one scenario. And that's the only time I've ever heard of anyone losing their job for that. It's it's absolutely outrageous that we did that. And I'm not an Ansakala guy. Like he he's pretty he's not very good. He has not played particularly well. I think he was bagged on more than he needed to be by our fans. 100%. I'm gonna be 100% honest. He obviously wasn't very good. He was a backup, and I was okay with that. I thought he was the good backup to give Ridvan an opportunity to, to play, because we don't want someone so good that Ridvan never plays. That's kind of the, the risk we're running with Umut Medash now. He's kind of playing well enough that I don't know if, Ridvan, if you can really legitimize playing Ridvan, especially now that you need results, right, for your job with it being on the line. Um, I, I, know I, I don't think anyone's being realistic here. Um, am I pro Sergan? Nah, not really. I mean, he probably deserves to be able to finish out the season. Given, let's not forget, Shanel Gunesh got two seasons of just absolute dog crap um, after our championship run, but just on the notion that he deserved it, he gave us so much, etc. Sergan got gave us half as much, one title. Um, so he should get maybe just one year of dog crap, right? Fine. But beyond that, like again, no intelligent manner would join this sinking ship right now. So the, if if we hired someone like Shanel Gunesh. Whoever, no, like, th first of all, that's moving backwards. Shannon Ganesh already gave us two dog crap seasons and showed his inability to be flexible and, like, move towards modern football. Football changed in, in the last few years. They did not. They being Shannon Ganesh, perhaps Sergei Yalchin, certainly Fatih Terem, certainly, you know, like, all of these old names, they're, they're, they're stuck in the past. We need to be moving forward. Now, where does that leave us? Um, I don't think it makes sense to, to, to ruin anyone's opportunity to have success with Besiktas now that you're investing money in and signing to a long-term contract and then ultimately having to fire and, and lose all of that money on. Bring someone on. E either let Sergei finish out the year, give him these last few months to salvage his reputation with us, give him the chance to sort of, so we can say we didn't do, we didn't do wrong by you. And if we fail, we fail. We're not getting relegated, but like, you know what? If we don't make it into Europe at this point, we were an embarrassment this season, right? We need, like, the, all of these ma extra matches hurt us with all the injuries, all the lack of sort of settling and gelling. Now we're struggling in the league too. So I don't care if we have Europe next year, 100% honestly. I mean, that's, I've never said that before. I've always been against folks who say that because we need the money, 
priority number one. This year, I'm just going to say it. We've got young talent. We've got players. Uh, we, we have a sort of uh, enough sort of core players that we can sort of build around. Uh, certainly, we have Rosier and Gazelle and stuff like that who are sort of tied to the club for now. I don't want to hear any of that nonsense. I don't want, I don't, I, well, we got to play for the Champions League. It'd be great, obviously, sure. If we make it, we make it. If we have some amazing run and we get second place, great. If we win the championship, you know, as Ahmed Nur Chebi promised, fine. I'll take it, right? And because that would also mean that we found our form and we look good, and then I'll probably say, you know what, I want to see these guys in Europe, as I did last season. You know, last season, I did, going into the year, I thought, we don't need Europe. We need to sort of establish a base financially and um, practice, you know, responsible finance and all that. And then we, played fantastic and I kind of wanted to see what that group would look like in Europe it all fell apart before we got to Europe so we never got to see Abu Bakr gone um, injuries galore you know all of, everything that happened we, we know um, but so yeah you know if Sargon stays fine we can say we did right by him he gets a chance to salvage things we probably don't do very well but like it is what it is we, we, we have a fresh start in the summer a new manager can come in make his side, fill it out the way he wants to, and implement his system, you know, and we start from scratch. That's the intelligent thing to do. Or you bring up your interim coach, you know, an assistant, you, you promote them. If you really think Sargon has to go, if the locker room is broken and he's playing a, a vital role in that, sure. Promote an assistant, let him see out the rest of the season, and if they oversee some sort of a miracle, you know, we, we start to talk. Maybe they get another year to see things through, whatever. Probably that's not the case, and they're gone. With all of this said, let's not also... like We have to remember, there's almost no way Besiktas plays as poorly in the second half of the season as they did in the first half of the season. There's no way we suffer those kinds of injuries. There's no way they, they gel less. They, I mean, they're going to have to learn how to play together somehow, and they're going to have to get moderately better, if not significantly. So anyone who would oversee the team in the second half will show better results in the first half and will go, oh my god, it's a miracle, they deserve a chance. They probably wouldn't. Sergen probably doesn't deserve a chance. Even if he salvages something we end up in fifth or fourth, we're not going to give him another chance, right? Just as we shouldn't, like, if, if some interim manager stepped up and gave us the same result. Because, like, th they're probably not the answer. We need to actually create, you know, we need an idea of what we want. We need someone who can implement a system. We can't just say haphazardly, oh, this guy did pretty decently, as anybody would, given this circumstance, probably, to some extent. As far as, like, an improvement on what Sergan's done in the first half. Again, good enough? Probably not. And that's, the, that's another story. Good enough would be getting at least second place, and because this team is more than untalented enough to, to, to be challenging for a title. There's almost nobody, I think, who could actually produce those results, barring some absolute miracle. So, I think we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. I think you just got to see out the rest of the season with minimal conflict. You got to get rid of bad apples. You got to try to salvage as much of that camaraderie and team ethos and spirit. Bring up some kids. Give everyone, uh, Ersin and Ridvan, all the playing time they can get. John Bozduan. You know, think to the future. You know, the second half of the season, don't worry about the pressure of success because, in, in all reality, it's, it's not likely coming. That's my honest opinion. Um, and so that's why I don't care if Sergei Yeltsin is the coach. I don't. It could be an interim coach. I, I just want the rest of the season to be seen out with minimal conflict. I don't want us haphazardly rushing towards a plan B that we haven't already thought up, right? It's not going to be a good plan B. 
Um, so yeah, that's my that's my hot take. Let's not rush into a bad decision. It doesn't mean I'm supporting Sergan. In fact, like I said, it'd almost be advisable to give an interim manager a chance just in case they can sort of procure some kind of a miracle. I don't see it happening. Just like I don't see Sergan doing it. Just like I don't see anyone. Chanel Gunas, Terzic. I don't care. Like, I don't... Slavin Bilic. I don't... There, nobody's going to come in and, and give us the results we deserve with the talent that we have. Nobody. So... I don't think it's realistic to expect anyone to come in and do that. You know, miracles are not the things you expect. They're 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 fantastic. You 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 know, you are thrilled when they arrive, but you can't go around saying, "Oh, this guy's gonna come in and produce a miracle." That's why we're hiring him. No, he's probably not. Nobody is likely to do that. As such, we have to be smart. We can't just rush into whoever's available now. We have to think carefully about what we want who we want, approach them properly, get them over here the right way, and start from scratch at the beginning of the summer. Not the end, no fooling around where we don't know who our manager is until like the beginning of August. None of that's nonsense. Let's just be systematic and organized. Let's start a new page. That's that's how, and it doesn't even matter who the manager, it could be Sergei Yeltsin, to be honest. If we take a more professional approach to the, to the summer, and to the off season and everything, everything would be better. This whole season is a product of guys coming in late and not having time to train properly and being rushed out rushed back from injuries etc 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 we are just systematically not functioning properly as a club Sergen has a role to play so look maybe he goes maybe that helps i don't i don't know and again i don't really care i just want us to get out of this season without getting relegated and i and i don't even think that's something to really be that concerned with um, so that's it. That's my take. We'll be back next week, of course. Um, I could, all right, quickly, I'll, I'll mention the standings. Just because it's worth mentioning the standings. Um, Besiktas is in 10th place. We can't go any further down. Everyone else has basically played. Uh, Gostepe has to play Fenerbahce tomorrow. Gostepe is in the relegation zone with 10 points. So we're, we have 20 points. Six wins, two draws, and six losses. 20 points. Adana Demirspor is right ahead of us. Also on 20 points. Better goal differential. Plus two. We're at zero. Uh, in the next sort of bracket, you have Basakshir, Fatih Karagumruk, and Galatasaray with 22 points. They've also played 14 matches, just like us. Is Galatasaray in free fall mode? Are they in complete crisis? And, you know, is everyone calling for everyone's head? No. Perhaps they should be a little bit more reactive, but perhaps we should also be a little bit less. You know, somewhere in the middle there is probably the realistic place to be. We're still just 14 matches into the season, after all. And we've had way more drama than they have as far as injuries and uh, new guys having to settle and all this and that. Like, you know, it's interesting that they're so much calmer than we are. Our fans have really changed <laughs> in, of late. Anyway, fifth place, Fenner. They've only played 13 matches, so they could end up further up the table. Maybe fourth place. That's it, though. With 20, they are 23 points. They could have 26 if they beat Gostepe. Uh, Alanya's in fourth with 24 points. Hatay is in third with 26. Konya in second, also with 26. And then Trabzon running away with it on top with 36 points. Um, they beat Fatih Karagumruk nil to two today in Istanbul. Abdul Kadir Omur is actually... Uh, 
playing, staying healthy, scoring. So things are looking quite good for Trabzon at the moment. 10 points over Konya and Hatay, who you don't even imagine sustaining these runs. Although I think we could also argue that you probably don't really imagine Trabzon sustaining theirs. Uh, whether they can slip that much remains to be seen. But like Fener will be 10 points behind them if they lose. Or sorry, if they win tomorrow. So, you know, it's not just Konya and Hatay, I guess. I mean, there's still so much to play for. There's still 22 matches left to play. more, Way more than we've played. Um, it, it's not where you want to be. You don't want to be in 10th place with 20 points. Um, you don't want to be 16 points behind first place. But, you know, there's still much, much to see, obviously. And um, there's almost no way it could be as bad as what we've seen thus far. So, if that makes anyone feel better. Uh, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> Next up, we are going to play Kasim Pasha. Uh, we're going to be on the road, though, of course, that's not quite the road. It's in Istanbul. Uh, as far as head-to-heads go, uh, we, you know, in the last um, 18 matches that I have, uh, that, are, that are available to me here, I'm sorry, 20 matches, rather, we've won 12 Lost five and drawn three. So we have a pretty good record against these guys. We won 60% of the of these last 20 matches against them. Now, our last match in April, we lost to Kazim Baja 1-0 last season. But in December, we beat them 3-0. Um, you know, no reason to be so gloom and doom. The season before, we beat them 3-2 twice. And the season before that, we'd beaten them 3-2 in our last match. So we'd beaten them 3-2, three, three matches in a row coming into last season. When we beat them three to nil, so you know, interesting numbers anyway. Um, Kazibasha is it at the bottom, uh, almost 19th place out of 20, 10 points level with Rize, who also have 10 points, uh, and Gostepe, who also have 10 points, but they have a game in hand. The Izmir side. Kazimpasha is playing. Um, let's see who they're playing. In goal, they've got Harun Tekken, a name many will recognize, formerly of Fener. Uh, then you've got Ryan Donk on the back line alongside Jeffrey Bruma, a little Dutch action, as well as Florent Hadergionaj, um, Kosovin, right back. Sakib Aitach, 30-year-old Turkish left back. Uh, Dojan Haspolat, 21-year-old Dutch Turk, who's in the back of their midfield, alongside Haris Haidadinovic, the Bosnian midfielder. Uh, up ahead of them, Umut Bozok, 25-year-old Turk, with Yusuf Erdogan going wide opposite Kevin Varga, the 25-year-old Hungarian, and their striker this year is Nikolai Jorgensen, 30-year-old Danish striker, who's only scored twice this year in 11 matches. So, um, you know, Kasim Pasha, there's no sort of secret narrative as far as Kasim Pasha goes this year. Um, they are not playing well. They're in terrible, you know, 19th place. In you know, their last five matches, they've only won once uh, and drawn this most recent match against Adana Demir, I guess. That's better form than of late. But to go back five matches ago, they lost to Rize in Rize, 2-1. to one. They beat Yanni Malachi 2-0. Uh, today, on the other hand, could only manage to draw against Yanni Malachi today. 
Gaziantep beat Kasim Pasha at home. You know, Gaziantep is a pretty tough place to play in. Uh, and then at home, Kasim Pasha lost to Fatih Karagumruk, the kind of B derby, or the Seaside derby even. And I don't mean C-S-E-A, I mean C as in A-B-C, C-level, third tier. Um, and then finally, in this most recent match on Friday, Adana Demir Spor hosted Kasim Pasha but couldn't beat them. Nil-nil draw. So I guess you could say that's a step in the right direction for them, but they're certainly not in great form by any stretch. They didn't score, for example. So they should be very easy to defeat. Um, and we should defeat them. <laughs> that's it. See you folks next week. Uh, I will, of course, be back soon with all the latest. Um, so far, it looks like Sergei Yalchin's staying. I don't care. <laughs> um, we'll be back. We will be back. Follow us on Twitter at Eagles underscore podcast. Follow myself at Sir underscore rights underscore a lot. Follow us on Instagram, Black Eagles podcast. One word. That's it, folks. I'll see you around next time. Let's go, Bessie Tash! Oh, wait. Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.